Welcome to the post Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-narc life. Hello, hello, and good morning. Well, I guess it's afternoon. Today, we are continuing our week of podcasts, and I'm just showing up and creating a podcast. (laughs) There's really no rhyme or reason to this. I just have a lot on my mind that's really been built up over the last month, month and a half, and I'm finally getting a chance to to share it. So today's podcast, I really want to direct our attention to our children, to the littlest in our lives. These little kids, um, when we when we went to get married and when we went to have children, we wanted to grow our families. We wanted to have these amazing little creatures in our lives and we wanted to show them the world. We wanted to give them an amazing life. And for so many of my clients, that is has not been reality. They accidentally, through no fault of their own, got into a relationship that turned out to be really toxic and really abusive. And now they have these beautiful children that have to endure a potentially a a narcissistic parent or some other toxic emotional environment, or at least have had to. Maybe you've already divorced the narcissist. Maybe you are still married to them. It doesn't matter, but your kids are caught in the middle, it seems like. Your kids are dealing with a situation that they don't have the tools for, that they don't fully understand. And you wonder, like, are they going to be all right? Are they going to live through this? Are they going to become drug addicts and have eating disorders and struggle with anxiety and depression the rest of their lives? Is this going to be because of me? Did I cause this because I chose a bad person to be married to? Maybe I'm narcissistic. Maybe I have narc tendencies. And you can kind of see what's happening, but you almost kind of feel powerless to stop it sometimes. Sometimes my clients feel that way. And I am with you. I get it. I 100% get it. And I just kind of want to talk about the kids today from the context of I was that kid. So my parents were married in 1985. They uh, met and got married pretty quickly. My mom, who's a beautiful, beautiful woman, and my dad, who was also very good looking at the time. Actually, I think he's still very good looking <laughs> to this day. He's very, he is a, he's very young. He is a, uh, he, he's in his seventies, but he just acts like he's in his forties. It's the best. I just, I just love him. My mom, unfortunately has already passed, but, um, in her life, she just truly was a beautiful, beautiful woman. And when they met, I mean, sparks flew. And I know now what that means <laughs> at the time of their meeting. I understand that they were like puzzle pieces that fit together. My mom was raised by an alcoholic. My dad was raised by an, un- an emotionally unavailable woman, bless her heart, may she rest in peace. And I say all of this, okay, when I talk about people who are emotionally unavailable, when I talk about emotional children, when I talk about narcissists, I want you to understand that it's coming from a background of so much love because I did so much work to heal. So, so two things there, 
Number one, you don't have to be in that place right now. You don't have to feel a lot of love for the people in your life that may have created a lot of drama for you. But if you want to be the type of person that has that kind of emotion behind how you talk about the people in your life, you can get there. So I just want to show you that it's not required and it's also not impossible. It's, it's, it's how I want to live. It's how I've created so much peace for myself and created so much love and allowance and acceptance and, and forgiveness and all of the things that I have always wanted, uh, but felt like I couldn't get there because of all the pain that I was in. So yeah, so I just want you to be aware that I, I talk about them in the terms of this is the reality of what it was like, but without any judgment about who they are, without any bitterness about what I went through or what or actions that they took, I'm coming from a place of total healing and peace and comfort and love for these people in a way that is so safe for me. And I really want to emphasize that it is so safe for me. No one takes advantage of me. No one emotionally abuses me anymore. No one, I mean, okay, I don't know that that's 100% true. <laughs> people, I mean, there's narcissists everywhere. You're, you're going to get some weird drama here and there, okay? It happens. But what I mean to say is I am not traumatized regularly by people in my life. I've set appropriate boundaries. I know how to manage myself. I know how to manage my emotions and my thoughts. I know how to look at a situation for its reality and also make decisions about how I want to think and how I want to feel in a way that keeps me really, really safe. So I think it can be really tricky, especially when you've been gaslit for so many years to use these tools against yourself and to think, oh my gosh, I have to coach myself into loving this person so they can continue to abuse me and that I never ever set boundaries. No, that's not real. Don't do that. But it, but it is a tricky line to toe when you're first starting out with the work because it can feel really really just murky trying to figure out, okay, what's the line here? Okay. I, I feel what I think is love, but I'm not really sure. Is it just attachment? Is it just like a survival mechanism? It's, it can be really tricky to tell what's, what's happening, but I want to encourage you that if you're on this journey, if you're figuring this out, it takes time to figure all this out. It, it is literally a trial and error process. It's literally, you learn this by experience, by trying it out. I think this is this way. I'm going to go set this boundary and figure this out in this way. Oh, that didn't work. Or, Oh, I got this reaction. That's interesting. What are my thoughts? What are my emotions? So it's a very active live learn as you go process. And I've been in that process for so many years, like at least 10 to 15. I, I don't know where we're at now in terms of where we're, where my healing, how long it's been or whatever, but I've been in that process for many, many years. And I do want to say that the coaching process accelerated all of that work for me. So while I have been at it for like 10 or 15 years, the progress was extremely slow for like at least eight or nine of those years. And then for three or four years, it's just really shot through the roof in terms of my progress, my access to peace, my access to a sense of ownership of my emotions and my thoughts. And it's just been, it's just been amazing. So coaching, at least for me, has really been the game changer for the work and the progress. But that doesn't mean that all of those years beforehand meant nothing. All of those years beforehand laid the foundation. It was preparatory work. It allowed me to understand, okay, I'm reading self-help books. I'm going to a therapist. I'm looking at my thoughts. I'm processing through emotions. I'm going back through old memories. I'm making sense of all the things that I've been through. I'm still in that process to some extent in a lot of ways, but 
but I just want to make sure that you understand that while coaching does accelerate and you go really fast and you start achieving all these goals and you start achieving the things that you want all the years prior to your coaching was not nothing. You are still doing the work. You are still healing no matter what it looks like. It's still part of it. Okay. So let's go back to the kids. (laughs) So I was one of those kids. I was, um, about three years old when my parents officially divorced, but it was years. It was literally my whole life. I was in a toxic, uh, emotionally abusive situation. And I don't even think I was necessarily emotionally abused directly when I was really, really little. I think there was definitely some things going on in terms of maybe like anger outbursts or, you know, parents can get really stressed and can yell at their kids. It just happens, right? So I'm sure that was happening. I don't have a whole lot of memories of the time when my parents were together, but they, um, they really, really struggled like from day one to have a peaceful relationship, uh, to get their own emotional needs met. They really entered the marriage, not knowing hardly anything, not having any tools, bless their hearts. Like my mom was raised by an alcoholic. She'd already been married two times before, you know, and those marriages failed. And in her mind, she was thinking, you know, I just get bad luck that I, it just, it just happens to me. I don't, I don't, I, I can't control it. There's no way for me to understand what's happening. I just, I roll the dice and I, I just keep losing. Right. And for my dad, this was his first marriage and he had just joined the church. He had just found his, his brand new faith and he was trying to live according to what his new faith dictated. And he had a lot of, of, of things that he was dealing with. He had PTSD from the war and he had all kinds of things. And again, I don't say all of this to be like, they're bad people, but you can see the context for how them, them trying to create a marriage was just, I mean, it was bless their hearts. There was, there was no way it was going to succeed. Um, not because, you know, they're horrible, but because, but because of what they came to the table with. Right. So I, I think like it took me years to get to that understanding, but at that time, you know, I was a little child. I was little, I had a little sister, I had two older brothers from, from my mom's previous marriage and they were trying to make a family work. And my mom was trying to co-parent with an ex while making a new marriage work that was very, very rocky. So she had very, very heavy burdens on her shoulders during that time. And so as the kid in this situation, I got to see so much drama, so much conflict, so much struggle. I mean, police called, DCFS called. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, fighting and leaving the house and getting kicked out and all of the things. Okay. And I witnessed that as a child and I don't even have memories of that. All I have is my mom's journal entries, all of the stories from my, both my mom and my dad and the eyewitness accounts of my brothers. So I've, I've pieced all this together. And then of course, when I've done the work over the years to heal, so much has come up in terms of straight up trauma from when I was very, very, very little before I was verbal, before I had conscious awareness of what was going on, before I even could form memories. So the the deepness of the trauma for me, uh, it, it means just since birth. I mean, I think they were, I think even before birth, you know, they were fighting and mom was stressed out, you know, while I was still in the womb. I mean, it's just like built into my DNA <laughs> to be in a high conflict marriage and high conflict divorce situation. And, and that was just the beginning, right? So they decided to divorce when I was three, four years old, which was a traumatic in its own way for me. And of course them, obviously, but since we're focusing on the kids, we're going to focus on this particular narrative. 
but uh, it was really, really traumatic for me. I didn't understand why they were separating. You know, I wanted them to be together again. And I was old enough, like three years old at this point, to understand a little bit of what was going on. And I have some vague memories of wanting them to be back together. But I, I don't remember what it was like for my dad to live in the house with us. I don't remember what it was like to have and be a family. And so my whole life, starting from when I could recall memories my parents have always been separated. And on top of that, they had a very contentious custody battle that lasted for many years. So a lot of court dates, a lot of um, custody arrangements and fighting. And I was absolutely used as a pawn in their game of control and manipulation and trying to get things done their way. And both of them had really good reasons for why they wanted full custody of, of my sister and I. And of course, my dad, you know, he understood that mom had some emotional and mental health limitations. But my mom also understood that my dad had his own emotional and mental health limitations. They both independently believed that we were unsafe in the other's home without their supervision. Isn't that insane? I work with a lot of clients who are like, I don't know what to do. I can't divorce my husband because they're going to be with him while I'm un while they're unsupervised by me. How can I possibly let them be unsupervised? You know, I can't leave this marriage because then they're going to be left alone with him. What do I do? Right. So a lot of clients are dealing with that very sentiment. And my parents had that sentiment independently, both about each other. It's kind of weird. And so they were both fighting for full custody. And when you really look at that, it's like they both really wanted to fight for what was best for us as children. But at the time it came out very contentious, right? It came out in a way that was damaging to us as children. I mean, we were, so I developed this, I think we've talked about this either on a podcast or a post sometime. I developed this really interesting uh, complex that uh, that shows up occasionally where I pretend, so I, I had to pretend with mom that I didn't like dad and I had to pretend with dad that I didn't like mom. And so I developed that as a survival mechanism, right? Because the, they both really hated each other, at least for a, per, a period of time. My dad did a lot of work on himself to achieve a sense of peace and forgiveness. And he eventually let go of trying to get full custody of us. And so we ended up having full custody with mom and then every other weekend, every other holiday with my dad. And this was the eighties and early nineties. So the courts typically tended to side with, you know, 90% custody with mom and then very few visitation allowances for dad. But nowadays it's very different. Nowadays, the judges typically go 50, 50 as often as possible, which is a whole different world. I think that we're all navigating anyway. So I developed this really interesting complex where I learned how to pretend with both people that I fundamentally loved on a very deep level. And I felt like I had to choose between the two constantly. Like I was literally put in that position to choose. I was evaluated by psychiatrists and other social workers and was told, okay, who do you want to live with? And, and that was devastating for me as a child, because of course I love both of my parents. And even though my parents would fight against each other, and even though my parents really felt the other was really toxic and abusive, I had a good relationship with both of my parents. And yes, there was definitely some emotional issues, you know, individually between each parent. Of course, that was reality. But there wasn't an overt sense of abuse hurled at me directly. Okay, so so I so my dad did his best to try to give us really good experiences and he brought us to church and he brought us on vacations and you know, he he wanted to be our dad. You know, he wanted to give us piano lessons and things like that. And my mom also was really trying to raise us as best as she could and show us as much love as she could. Right. So 
So for me, it was like, I have these really amazing relationships with my, with my parents, but they have to be separate because I can't, I would be betraying one or the other if I chose the other. And it was just, it was a horrible place to be in and very, very confusing for my, for my tiny little brain, <laughs> my little child brain. It was a, it was a struggle. And I say all of this to kind of just give you context for what it's like as an adult, because as an adult, I can look back on that time and I can now make sense of it. I can piece it all together. But at the time it was of course very painful and I had a lot of things that came out as a result that I didn't know. I didn't have any tools. I didn't know how to cope with what was happening. I didn't know how to articulate what was happening. So I developed this, these complexes or like this, these survival mechanisms that definitely made it so that I could survive, made it so that I could do really well in school, made it so that I could have really good friends, but also on the side, I had a lot of other problems that I wasn't addressing that I didn't even know how to address all kinds of things. And then you throw these kids. I mean, and then on top of that, these kids are in the world, right? They have to go to school. They have to deal with bullying. They have to deal with, you know, the pressure of grades, the pressure of trying to get into college, the pressures of just being a teenager and navigating, having hormones and a growing, changing body. I mean, kids go through a lot. They just do. And then when you add on top of it, you know, a contentious divorce and custody battles and managing parents, and being managed by parents, you know, in unhealthy ways. It's just, it's a lot. And your kids, if you are divorcing, divorced, or contemplating divorce because you have a rough marriage, they are going through that. They are experiencing that on a daily basis. And that's not to say, I mean, this is things you already know, okay? (laughs) I know that you know this. So I don't want to fill you with dread and fear and disappointment and, and, and discouragement. I, I want to do the opposite. So I want to show you what it's possible, what is possible for a person like me who has been through what your kids are going through right now. And I want to show you that they really are going to be okay. And you can trust in the fact that if you do the work for yourself you become the example and you teach them the tools that you're learning yourself, not only are they going to be okay, they're going to be amazing. This is going to be, so in my life, what I love about my past and my childhood and all the hard things that I went through, I love that I get to now use what I've been through to help other people. I think it's the most amazing and miraculous thing ever. Because nobody can tell me, well, you don't know what it's like. Are you kidding? I know exactly what it's like. I lived it. <laughs> I was born into it. I was raised into it, like Bain says, right? Uh, <laughs> you merely adopted the darkness. <laughs> I was born in it. Anyway, I digress, right? Like I know it deep in my tissues. I know all of this. I know what these kids are experiencing. I know what you're experiencing. And you just can't get that anywhere else. There's no PhD that can get that kind of knowing, right? You can read books, you can find people who do all the research and those are great people. And they, and it's great to read those books. I have a lot of recommendations for books of people who have done the research, right? It's, it's perfect way to learn all about narcissism, but to have gone through the journey and to be where I'm at now, Oh my gosh, it's amazing because I can really, from a deep place, show people, yes, it is possible. Your kids are going to be okay. Are they suffering right now? Yes. Yes, they are. I've had clients whose kids have had eating disorders. I've had clients whose kids have struggled um, in school who have been suicidal. I've had kids who don't know 
how to express themselves, who struggle with anxiety, like severe anxiety, severe depression. Of course, these kids are experiencing all of this because they're in a traumatic situation. And this is not an opportunity for you to blame yourself. It will not help your children. It will not help you. So let's run this through a model. Okay. We talked a little bit about the model last uh, episode. Okay. So we're going to look in the circumstance. We're going to look in the, in the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, and the results. And I want to show you this model. Okay. The model is your kids, your kids and their behavior and their feelings and everything they're going through right now is a neutral circumstance. It's reality. It's what they're experiencing. Okay. And then your thought about it, it's all my fault. I caused this, right? That self-blame creates, that's the thought that creates an emotion in your body. And that emotion in your body is likely going to be shame. It's going to be discouragement. It's going to be a terrible, heavy, gross feeling that does not feel good. And when you're feeling shame and when you're feeling discouragement and despair, blaming yourself, what actions come from those emotions? Well, for me, I can tell you the actions that come from those emotions for me are sitting on the couch and watching TV and, and escaping and <laughs> checking out, um, not doing the things that I need to do to manage my mind, uh, not teaching my kids tools that will help them because it come, because I don't have that motivation. That motivation is gone. I just want to sink into a hole and go far away and never, ever come out again. That's what the shame feeling creates for me. And, and it's likely creating something similar for you. And as a result of me doing those things or not doing certain things, nothing changes. There is no, my kids aren't getting the help they need and I'm not getting the help they need. And, and I am in a, a, a place where I'm just spiraling out. Right. So it, it, again, this is not to shame yourself. It's not to put yourself down. I just want you to see the reality of what is created when you are not managing your mind, when you allow your brain to go to these dark places of it's all my fault and look at how my kids are suffering. They're just suffering and it's, it's, and I can't control it. And, and if only I could control the narcissist in my life, they would feel better, right? Like all of these uh, spiraling emotions that you are using against yourself to fight against reality. This is the reality of your children. Okay. I want you to understand that as an adult, I can look back on my experiences and, and not just from a place of, okay, I can use this to help other people. Your kids will probably not become coaches. That's fine. <laughs> they don't have to become coaches to make meaning from, you know, the experiences they've been through. But as an adult, even without that story, right, I still love what I've been through because I can see now and I choose to see now that what I went through was perfect for me. What I went through, what happened in my life was my journey in life. It was what I was meant to pass through. Now, does that give everybody carte blanche to not do anything to help our kids? No. Obviously, like we talked about last episode, you can draw those lines. You can have, you can decide, okay, I will allow this, but I won't allow this. I will tolerate this, but I won't tolerate this. I will fight for this, but I won't fight for this. These are decisions that you can make. So I'm not going to tell you just sit back and do nothing because this is your kid's journey in life. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but as you do the very best you can, as you fight for their best future, some things are still going to get through and it's not your fault. It's just by virtue of the fact that we live on this planet and we have to deal with people who have their agency and who make choices that we cannot control. Okay. So as a result of that, 
it is still a beautiful thing because as your kids grow, they're going to run into more narcissists. That's just the way that it is because narcs are everywhere. And if you give them tools now, you will help better equip them so much more when they have to face them in the real world. So that's just one thing, right? Another thing is life is 50, 50. It's always going to be 50, 50. It's going to be 50% good and 50% bad. And if you can teach your kids that sometimes reality is not going to be worth fighting against and they can receive and be in control of the peace that they have, regardless of their circumstances, you're going to set them up for so much success. Again, I want to say this doesn't give us all carte blanche to be like, just accept everything and never say no. That's not what I mean. All right. So if you have divorced the narcissist person or the toxic person in your life, you have done an amazing thing. You have taught your kids that they do not have to tolerate a situation, that they do not have to stay married to somebody who abuses them. You've already done so much work to achieve this beautiful result. Now, the problem is that kids can't divorce parents either. And there are some extreme circumstances where, you know, there's emancipation laws and there's, you know, I I don't know that I've ever heard of a judge ever awarding zero custody to the dad, but you know, sometimes the dad might be in jail. Sometimes he does terrible, terrible things. So sometimes it happens, but typically speaking, children cannot divorce their parents. And there is a, a law enforced agreement in place that is handed down by a judge to make it so that that father gets to see that kid regularly. Right. And we cannot control that. We can try to change it. We can try to do some mediation. We can go to court. You know, there are, there are options to change that as best we can. But typically speaking, once the judge decrees it, the judge decrees it and it's done. And so your kid can, does not have control in this situation. This is a very powerless place for your kid to be. It's terrible. And okay. Those are thoughts obviously, (laughs) but I just want to validate how it can feel sometimes when you are in that powerless place. And I remember not only being powerless in the situation, I was just trying to survive. I was just trying to, how do I get mom to be happy? How do I get dad to be happy? How do I make sure I pretend enough so that they never suspect a thing? How do I make sure that I always put a smile on my face? How do I make sure I never make them mad? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. They are in high survival right now, but it is not a problem. Okay. It is what they're experiencing. And the best thing you can do instead of shaming yourself, blaming yourself or blaming the narcissist, right? Is to give them tools, give them tools to deal with this because they are going to pick up tools to deal with it that are not going to serve them later in life. Okay. So the best thing you can do is to give them actual useful tools that will serve them on later on in life and tools like mind management tools, like radical acceptance, tools like forgiveness, tools like loving themselves, tools like boundaries. I mean, the list goes on. It's all the work that we're doing. Every episode I give you, every time you coach with me, I'm giving you tools. I'm helping you master using those tools. And as you do that, you can provide that for your children on their level when they need it. And as they grow and as they mature so that they can be become mature adults, what if you could use this situation that you have no control over? What if you could use this situation as a means to accomplish an amazing future for them? So this is true for literally any terrible circumstance in our lives, right? So we've got all kinds of people who have used the situation in their lives that they can't control for a a greater purpose to serve the world, to serve themselves, to create the things that they want. 
It happens all the time. Why is this an exception? Why is your kids having to deal with divorced parents an exception? It's not. It really isn't. What if this is so like if you, you know, you watch motivational movies like King Richard or like, gosh, I don't know, you know, Olympics and people who have overcome incredible obstacles to achieve high results, um, you know, just amazing stories like that where people are like, no, I'm going to use this and I'm going to use it to create something much bigger. That's an, that's an option for you. You don't have to do that. If, if you hear that and you feel a ton of pressure on yourself, okay, just let it go. <laughs> To me, when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, like I'm pumped up, let's go. But for other people, that's not going to be the case. For other people, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, now there's even more pressure on me. No, don't worry about that. If everything that I offer you is an offering, it is an option. If it lights you up and if it motivates you, then use it and take it. And if it doesn't, don't worry about that. Let it go and just let things be where they are. And that's where the coaching comes in, right? Where we talk about your specific situation. We help you make those decisions that are best for you and pick those things that are going to serve you the most. And maybe you want to get to that place where you want to see it in that light of using it as a means to create amazing things for your kids. And then we coach you to that place. We get all of your thoughts and fears out of the way if that's what you want. But if that's not what you want, that's okay too. You've got a lot on your plate. You're co-parenting with a narcissist. It is extremely difficult. I want to honor and validate that for you. But I will, I will be adamant about giving them the tools. And you cannot give them the tools unless you learn them for yourself. You must learn these tools for yourself. Even if you're just the example, you may not even have to sit them down and train them on how to use boundaries, right? You don't have to do that necessarily, but you can be the example. You can show them what it looks like to set boundaries, to act even though you feel fear, to hold down your, what, what is best for you and your family, regardless of the tantrum that the other person throws. I mean, there's just so many scenarios that are going to come up and there's so many opportunities for you to master these skills because that narc is not going away. <laughs> they're not going away and they are not going to change. They're typically not working on themselves. Sometimes you get some people who do and they're not full-blown narcissists. They're just, they got narc tendencies. They've had hard childhoods themselves. They don't have the tools. And I've had some clients Whereas they have worked on themselves and started using the tools that their co-parent who is, we could argue is a narcissist or maybe has strong narc tendencies actually responds better, which isn't to say that that's why we use the tools. Okay. We really want to let go of controlling the narcissist and changing how they show up. We have to let go of that. That's key. All right. But you will notice that at least in some people, that is a possibility that does happen. Okay. So I want you to really just walk away from this episode, believing that your kids are going to be okay, that this could be an amazing experience for them that turns into so much value for them later on in life, that it could be that they are going to have all of the tools that they need to be successful adults because you are going to provide that for them as you master them yourself. Okay. I want to give you hope. I want you to understand and never, never, never shame yourself. Never, never, never blame yourself or the narcissist. A lot of times when we see our kids suffering, we want, our brains want to blame something. Our brains want to target and destroy the source of our kids suffering. That's what our brains want to do. And we want to blame someone and heap all of that on them so that our brain feels like it's productively going to solve the suffering. 
but that's just not real. You blaming them, you fighting against them, you trying to control them is not going to change the suffering. In fact, it's going to create an environment for more suffering for your children. Trust me, I know I have been through it my entire childhood. So I want to offer that to you that your your ability to master these skills is going to create so much more than you realize and your kids really are going to be okay. So in that light, I want to invite you to a masterclass. We're going to really dive deep into these tools. We're going to show you how to successfully co-parent like a boss. That's what it's called. Co-parent like a boss. Co-parenting like a boss means that you are fully in control of how you show up, that you aren't blaming someone else, that you aren't at the effect of what they think or say or do, that you know what your limits and your boundaries are. You know what you fight for and you know what you're flexible on. And you know that you have created an environment for your children to learn the tools necessary to be thriving and successful adults so that they don't pick up tools that are not going to serve them. Or if they've already picked up tools that aren't serving them, they're still really young. You can help them break those habits. You can help them change their reliance on other tools that won't serve them, right? So we're going to dive into all of that. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and the specifics, and I'm going to coach you. So we're going to have about a 45 minute uh, training session and then another 30 minutes or so, depending on how many are there and how many want coaching of real live coaching in your specific situation. I'm going to pull you on. We're going to unmute you. You're going to tell me a little bit about what's going on. You're going to tell me the whole story, but you're going to tell me a little bit about what's going on. And I'm going to coach you on your thoughts and we're going to apply what we learn in the class to your situation. And you will learn how to co-parent like a boss. Okay. There are so many people suffering. So many people are in your situation, literally thousands of people in your situation trying to co-parent. And it's really, really difficult because somebody else is really emotionally immature and are trying to control you and trying to manipulate you and using your kids as a pawn in their game. Thousands and thousands of people are dealing with this. And so I want to offer this as a lifeline to those suffering with it. I want you, if you're listening to this, go ahead and share this with as many people as you can, who you know are suffering with it. I know that we know a lot, maybe share it on your Facebook, on my Facebook and Instagram. You could probably find all the links and you can just kind of share that. You don't even have to write it yourself. I've got it situated, (laughs) but it's going to be, so today is Wednesday, the 7th. It'll be next Wednesday, the 14th, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon in central standard time. So we've got a week to prepare but I want you to really walk into that class with so much hope for the future, for your children. I am one of those kids. I not only turned out okay, I am thriving. I have a happy, healthy marriage and I am raising kids in a two parent home where the parents work together beautifully and in sync. Are there some conflicts? Yes, sometimes, but guess what? We deal with them and we deal with them beautifully and our marriage just gets better with age. And I want that not only for you, that'll be another webinar. (laughs) If you're listening and you're divorced and that's something that you want, believe me, it's on the table, but that's for another day. But for today, I want you to have the hope that your kids will have that too. Okay. We're definitely going to get it for you. That's why you hire me as a private coach. Okay. (laughs) 
But for your kids, this for this masterclass is specifically for your kids. And I want you to hold that hope. I want you to walk in that class with that hope, ready to go, that everything is going to be okay. And not only that, it's going to be a thing that serves them in the future. And you can be that difference for them if you learn these tools. All right. So register in the show notes. You can also go to my Instagram and register there. And I will see you on that call. And I can't wait to coach you and hear about your situation. I can't wait to help you get more hope and master some amazing tools. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. If this episode resonated with you, it's because you're dealing with a narcissist or some other person in your life and it's having an effect on you. And I want that to change. I want you to get the things that you want in your life. I'm available for one-on-one coaching. You can hire me. You can also come to the webinars. We've got the webinar coming up this next week, co-parenting with a narcissist. Sign up in the show notes. We'll see you there.